Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. This is the second of two podcasts being released this weekend featuring content from the 2018 National Religious Broadcasters Convention held recently in Nashville. Coming up, you'll be hearing from David Jeremiah from Turning Point, who discussed with me some matters related to Bible prophecy in the book of Revelation, as well as a book about the fruit of the Spirit. Then it's legendary Christian musical artist Larnell Harris, who visited with me at NRB to share about a new memoir that he has released, reflecting on people who have shaped his life. Also, it's evangelist Andrew Palau, who was at NRB to accept a Hall of Fame award on behalf of his father, Luis Palau, who has been diagnosed with cancer. Some reflection on their ministry ahead. Also coming up on this edition of The Intersection, from Times Square Church in New York City, Carter Conlon, who had led a prayer meeting at the beginning of NRB, he reinforced the importance of prayer in our lives during our conversation. And from Museum of the Bible, which opened last fall in Washington, I had a chance to visit with Steve Green and his wife Jackie, who have been deeply involved in the establishing of the facility, devoted to providing a tribute to the history and impact of the Bible. Finally, material from a conversation with Chicagoland Pastor James Ward, who provided encouragement for people to walk away from a victim mentality into freedom in Christ. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. David Jeremiah is senior pastor of Shadow Mountain Community Church in San Diego, California. He's also the speaker on the Turning Point radio program. In our conversation at the Faith Radio Meeting House Broadcast Center at NRB 2018 in Nashville, he discussed content from the updated edition of the book Escape the Coming Night, as well as the book A Life Beyond Amazing. Here now from that conversation is David Jeremiah. I mentioned Escape the Coming Night. This is a book you released some time ago, yeah. and it's been <clears throat> updated and, and more information. For those that may not be familiar with that book, just give us a, a bit of a thumbnail about it and then some of the information that you've added to it. Well, the book was written... Um, back in the early days of my ministry and actually was written with a woman by the name of Carol Carlson, who also was the co-author of uh, The Late Great Planet Earth with Hal oh Lindsey. My goodness. And Carol <laughs> and I did this. We wanted to create a book that was a, a easy to read kind of a novel approach to the book of Revelation, a, a, a contemporary companion to people who wanted to read the book of Revelation. We did it. And even to this day, it's the number one selling book of, of all that I have written. There's such an interest in it. Now we went back and we didn't have to make many changes because believe it or not, um, the things that are in the Bible about what were going to happen, some of them have already happened. And and uh, we, we tweaked a few uh, things having to do with um, times and dates that, that we now know that we didn't know then. And, uh, but we didn't add any new prophetic things. We followed the book of Revelation verse by verse all the way through to the end. Well, and people look at the book of Revelation. It can be a very daunting task to try to read that. And people needs, might need some help in understanding mm. really the message of that particular book, prophetically speaking. So what are some keys to understanding the book of Revelation? Well, let me just say, first of all, it's the only book in the Bible where twice we are promised blessing if we read it. That's a good thing. Yes. I need all the blessing I can get. So if I can get some blessing reading Revelation, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Secondly, this is surprising to a lot of people, but the book of Revelation is the most self-interpreting book in the Bible. 
because while it will give you signs and things and, and uh, the miraculous things that you see, if you keep reading, a few verses later it will say, and this is what that meant. A lot of people say they don't understand the book of Revelation. The reason they don't understand it is they don't thoroughly read it. I'm not saying it's an easy book, but it's not nearly as hard as everybody says it is because it is self-explained, and if you read it, it will tell you what it means. Well, let's shift to another book that you have released recently. It's called A Life Beyond Amazing, Nine Decisions That Will Transform Your Life Today. Give us the, the view as far as what you really wanted to communicate in, in this particular book. Well, I've been teaching the Bible now in the same church for 37 years. And uh, surely I've taught uh, the, the passage of Scripture on the fruit of the Spirit, what it is. But when I ask people, what is the fruit of the Spirit? They can usually give you several of the qualities, joy, peace, love, long-suffering. And then I ask them, well, how does that translate into your life? And that's where the break is. We... We often teach the Bible, and if we're not careful, people learn what the Bible says, but they don't know what it means to them. Mm -hmm. So I decided to write this book and use the fruit of the Spirit, kind of like the wallpaper, and, and I wrote a chapter on every one of those characteristics. And it was amazing to see that people understand, you know, a lot of folks think, well, the fruit of the Spirit, you get that, it's a free gift, you don't have to do anything, and that's true. But gifts have to be opened, gifts have to be <laughs> developed. And the Bible tells us that in every one of those characteristics, we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That means, uh, I used to tell my kids when they were in sports, you know, your athletic ability is what God has given you. What you do with it is what you give to God. And the same thing is true of the fruit of the Spirit. God gives us love, joy, and peace. But if we don't develop it, it sits as an unopened gift on the table. And that's what's happened in so many churches and in, in many lives. We. We know, what the, we know what the word love means. We know what the word joy means. We can tell you some verses where they appear. But how do I develop the quality of love in my life? How do I develop the quality of joy in my life? Take the gift of joy that God has given me. How do I develop it? That's what the book is all about. David Jeremiah here on The Intersection. You can find out more by visiting the website, davidjeremiah.org. Well, next up on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's legendary Christian musical artist Larnell Harris. He visited with me at NRB to share about a new memoir that he has released. It's entitled Shape Notes, How Ordinary People with Extraordinary Gifts Influenced My Life and Career. Here now is Larnell Harris. Well, the first door that was really opened, I joined church when I was 12 years old, but it wasn't until I was at, out of college that I really understood what being a Christian was all about. I met a a uh, fellow musician, a guy that I, that I greatly respected, Stan Morris was his name. He was a wonderful uh, trombone player in his own right. And um, he uh, challenged me in a way that I hadn't been challenged before. I joined, as I said, I joined church when I was 12. But, but he started asking me questions about what it meant to be a Christian and what, what I thought that was about. And he asked me if I had ever, uh, if I could remember the time when I asked Christ to come to my heart. I couldn't remember that time. And it was at a rehearsal camp of a group called the Spurlows. It started by Thurlow Spur, which was really the beginning of uh, contemporary Christian music. And, uh, uh, and I got that straight at that rehearsal camp with Stan Morris. So all of these things, I believe, uh, and all of these people were a series of events that God was using to keep me protected, as he will all of us, 
till I could meet Stan and, and really get my life solidified in, in, and understand who, he, who, who God was, that, that I had the opportunity to put myself in the place where he could do his work in my heart and, and, and in my life. And singing and doing other things, that, that, that is all just cream, of, cream on top of the crop here. The, the most important thing was for me to understand that who I was to be in, in him, in Christ. And there was a time, as you relate in the book, where you lost your voice. And at what point in your ministry did that occur? Well, I was uh, after the Spurlows, I, jo- I joined a group called First Gear. We were kind of a rock and roll group. We did uh, 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 high school assembly programs. And, uh, and uh, so I was singing and sometimes doing two or three concerts a day. And I... Um, and I was doing two or three concerts a day, and I just overused it. I just overused it. And, and uh, we started a series of going to doctors and trying to figure out if, um, if I had nodules on my th- uh, throat. That was the diagnosis. They would be listening to a recording and not even think that I might sing like that again or sing it all again. But it wasn't about voice. This wasn't about voice. It was about trust. When I came out of college, man, I, I, I knew I had this voice, and I was uh, uh, really consumed with where it was going to take me and where, where I could go with it. But God wanted me to trust him, and that's what this was about. Not, I'm not gonna, you're not going to trust in voice. You're not going to trust in just talent. I gave you the talent, I believe he was saying to me, but you're going to trust in me, and that's a lesson that I've never forgotten, and I still trust in him today. Describe, if you would, the season that you're in now in your life and ministry. You know, we've got three grandkids. We've watched two. We've loosed two kids on the world that we're very proud of. We know that Mitzi and I know that our work is not done. We're still grandparents and parents. I'm still learning to be a good husband, you know, and uh, a, a faithful follower of Christ. I am still on a journey that started years ago where my prayer really hasn't changed very much. Lord, put something in my heart. Teach me how to give it away. That's where I am. And the, the thought occurs to me that through this book, as you say thank you to the people that impacted your life, it also gives people to the opportunity to think about perhaps those in their own lives that they can impact for Christ. Elaborate on that, if you would. Exactly. You know, there are people out there who need you. We, uh, the people in your sphere of influence, uh, it, it is amazing that many of those people may never, and it's hard to believe, may never have heard about Jesus and you have the opportunity to do that, to let them know that God loves them, that he wants more than anything else in the world to be the center of their lives. And there just may be one of those kids or one of those people who has a, has a talent that you can nurture. And, uh, boy, be about the business of doing that. That is discipleship. That is God's business. Yeah. Larnell Harris from NRB 2018. Find out more by visiting the website larnell.com. Well, next up on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's evangelist Andrew Palau. He was at National Religious Broadcasters recently to accept a Hall of Fame award on behalf of his father, Luis Palau, who has been diagnosed with cancer. 
Andrew Palau of the Luis Palau Association shared some reflection on their ministry. Here now is Andrew Palau. We try to ensure that there's a strong uh, you know, interdenominational, geographic, ethnic, depending on the circumstance of the nation, invitation, so that we're genu- genuinely in service to the local church there, furthering unity, emphasizing that, and then building the outreach around personal evangelism, that every church would recognize, hey, this and every individual in the church, this is just one more tool in my hands if we're going to reach this city Luis Palau or Andrew Palau aren't going to do it. They'll play, play their role, but somebody can go. These, all of us, we're the ones that can reach into the places God has put us and draw people forward to hear the gospel uh, and to respond. And then when they do, they can follow up. Whether they decide to say yes or to wait, uh, we're, we're, it's that relational piece that allows us to keep going, to disciple those who do come and keep pressing forward in love with those who have not yet bent the knee. Well, Andrew, something you mentioned earlier, and I want to get you to, to make a, a brief comment. And, of course, we continue to remember the, the life and the ministry of the late Billy Graham, who will be laid to rest there at the Billy Graham Library this coming Friday. I tell you what, when people, there's, there's always been speculation, or at least for the, for the last number of years, about, well, who is going to be the next Billy Graham? Yeah. One name that go, comes into the discussion, you know what I'm about to say, is your father. Yeah. And so... Talk about what impact that that Billy Graham oh, and his wow. ministry has had on your father and you and your ministry. Wow. Well, there's a group, not us, but an outside group making a film called Palau, the movie. And it's beautiful to see how well they've done the story. It's really of dad's early life, not accolades about the things he accomplished, but what takes a fatherless boy and allows him to hear the voice of God and obey and to see what dad has seen in his life well the earliest scene of it is a young boy 10 years old my father listening to the radio and you hear mr graham's voice and the power of it and the power of the message and the inspiration that came on top of god's calling to dad's life that inspired him and then even more specifically mr graham along the way uh, brought dad along opened doors for him to speak at some of the major conferences of the 80s and the 90s Uh, Dad was able to interpret for him and even gave a significant early launch gift and encouragement about how to run his board of directors and so much wisdom that he generously shared with Dad. And one of the things that Dad has done in response is he started an alliance of evangelists um, in many nations. We want to see these alliances in 150 nations uh, by the year 2020 so that we can do likewise. He was generous to share. We should be generous to share. And it's an expression of unity that the evangelists could love each other and serve together and collaborate and speak well of each other you know that's a great example um we challenge the churches to do that in a sense in our festivals but we should be doing it ourselves in our little realm which is the evangelist so it's like there's a legacy from mr graham and his generosity to dad we and it's been we're the recipients of it i'd basically say it's on us now that's what they'd say there's no billy graham there's probably no Luis palau to come but there's us and we we can expect even greater things than this uh the the lord told us so let's believe for our generation that it's on us we can do it with god's help by the power of the spirit together especially the theme of the conference this year unity great power in unity for our end goal to see souls rescued by the gospel the good news of jesus christ andrew palau here on the intersection find out more about the association by going to palau p-a-l-a-u dot o-r-g 
This is the Intersection Podcast. It's a weekly production of The Meeting House. The website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. When you go to the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the media center marked Meeting House On Demand, through which you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast. Also through that homepage, you can subscribe to The Intersection and have it delivered to your podcast receiving software, including iTunes on a weekly basis. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. The other is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. You can also follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. You can also get connected to video content. There's some new content available from NRB 2018. The Intersection Podcast is also available through the Faith Radio app. You can learn more through the Faith Radio website at faithradio.org. You can also reach the Meeting House homepage through meetinghouseonline.info. More now from the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, which took place recently in Nashville. Carter Conlin, senior pastor of Times Square Church in New York City, visited with me. He's heard on the radio feature, It's Time to Pray, and he discussed some concepts relative to effective prayer. This is Carter Conlon now. Well, we have a worldwide prayer meeting in New York City at Times Square Church at 7 p.m. Eastern Time every Tuesday evening. And right now, people are joining us uh, real time, uh, in many cases, from up to 199 countries. Um, the prayer meeting is online live. They, you can text in. You can email in a prayer request during the meeting. We're able to put 280 of them up on the screen from the beginning, uh, the course of time, from beginning to the end of the prayer meeting. And we, we pray together. We pray for a worldwide spiritual awakening. We pray for healing in our homes, families, wayward children, people that are suffering from sickness, depression, um, need jobs. We, we pray for anything and everything that people come in to pray for. And we have seen, if people could take a, a moment just to go on the website, uh, you can also find it on itstimetopray.org. And go on the website, and you'll see the phenomenal answers to prayer that have, that have come in from people all over the world. God is answering their prayer. And when you look at these various needs that you are praying for, and as we look at our own individual prayer lives and seeking to develop that and to see effective prayer in our own lives, in our own hearts, what have you found to be a couple of the keys to really improving or helping to develop our prayer lives more fully? Okay, well, uh, Bob, I've got two things in particular that come to mind. I learned, I, I tried over the years to every conceivable technique to pray. I, if, if there's a scheme out there, I've tried it, even created one or two myself, perhaps. But what really helped me is when I read George Mueller's autobiography and read that he prayed with an open Bible. It's not something I'd ever considered before. And I love to pray that way now. I open my Bible, I'll begin to read, I'll be reading a psalm. Uh, I'll just give you an example. For example, it'll say, Lord, uh, search my heart, know my ways, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way of life everlasting. And so I'll, I'll look at that and say, God, you know, I, I'm open for you to search my heart. And if there's anything in me that's going to take me or others off track, show it to me. I'm not looking to resist you. I'm looking to obey you. I'm looking to walk with you. And and perhaps the Lord will speak to me, and perhaps not, and then I'll just move on and just keep on reading. And it makes your own devotional time pleasurable. Because I went through the stage in my life where prayer was not pleasurable. It was, it, it was a headache. It was a list. It was a litany of saying the same things over and over again every day. It was boring. 
uh, it, it, it was hard to get through. The second part that I've learned is I, I don't pray alone in the mornings. I have seven men. Jerry, a friend of mine, is here with me today, and there's, there's uh, seven people I pray with that I really trust, and I can pray honestly from my heart. There are people who pray in faith. They pray the solution and not the problem. And uh, th- we start our day uh, Monday to Friday this way from 6 to 7 in the morning and, uh, and pray together. So I've found what really helps me is praying with somebody else, not trying to pray alone. So people today can teleconference. There's a free teleconference.com. Uh, they can go there. They can get their own number and their own code. They can have one or two or three friends that they call up in the morning and they can pray together. And it is really, re- you walk away refreshed. Yeah, sometimes you catch a spark from somebody else's fire. Carter Conlon here on The Intersection. Find out more through his website, carterconlon.com. Next up on this edition of The Intersection podcast, from the Museum of the Bible exhibit at NRB 2018 in Nashville, Steve Green, chairman of the board of Museum of the Bible in Washington, and his wife Jackie shared their perspective on the facility devoted to providing a tribute to the history and impact of the Bible. Here now are Steve and Jackie Green. We were approached by a group that wanted to put a Bible museum in Dallas, and they asked if we would help them acquire a location. We said if the right deal came about, we would consider it. And then a couple years later, they mentioned an artifact that we could buy at a a good price. And I said, well, we might be willing to buy that for your uh, collection, for your museum effort. And we never bought that, but it opened the door, and they started looking around. uh, And the first artifact that we bought was in 2009. And uh, the economy was struggling, and there were a lot of opportunities that presented themselves. And so we, we started collecting, the collection grew rapidly. And as the collection grew, uh, the family just felt this sense of responsibility that we had been entrusted with the collection that we had and that we needed to make sure that this dream became a reality. So we kind of uh, inherited that uh, dream and vision and uh, in 2010 formed the 501c3. In 2012, we bought the location in D.C., in 2014, the renovation got started, and we opened up in 2017. So it's been a very rapid journey. Ten years ago, I would not even imagine being on this journey, but uh, it has been an exciting journey for the family. Well, and, and something very interesting, people may be familiar with the fact that the Green family has been involved with the Hobby Lobby chain of craft stores. And obviously, things going very well with Hobby Lobby, but when God calls something into being, he provides the resources and the the direction to put something like this together. So Jackie, as, as Steve and the family really began to, to talk about this, and obviously you and he discussing it, what are some of the things that you saw God do in, in this coming together? Well, we definitely saw God do a lot of things. And, uh, you know, realizing in seven and a half years, all that has happened, you know, there's just no other ex- explanation that God went before and prepared the way and opened the right doors and used great teamwork with uh, with uh, the Museum of the Bible staff. And, and uh, you know, we, it was quite a journey for us. We never saw it coming. And we just had to walk in faith uh, a lot and just trust God. And, and it's been a huge blessing for us. As you all began to formulate the concept of Museum of the Bible, how would you summarize the story that you really wanted to tell? Well, I think that the item that's right here in the center of our booth uh, is is a great example. It is a replica of the Gutenberg Press. Uh, Life magazine in the year 2000 came out with a publication of the 100 most important uh, events of a millennium. And number one on that list was Gutenberg Prints the Bible. It wasn't the Gutenberg Press. It was Gutenberg Prints the Bible. This book has changed our world. 
the average person may not have a degree to the, the, the impact that this book has had on their life. And so it, it, we wanted people to understand this book has had an impact on our world. It's impacted their lives, and it is impacting lives even today. There's a space in the museum called Bible Now. It shows people that are downloading a Bible app right now all over the world. Or it will show people that are opening up a Bible app and all over the world and showing how that people are engaging with this book like none other right now all over the world. So it is a story that we uh, impacted our lives and we just felt needed to be told and we, we try to do that uh, in the museum. We only scratched the surface of telling this book's story because there is no building that can contain this book story. But that's what we strive to do and we've engaged some of the leading uh, design firms around the country to help us do that very thing. Well, there does seem to be a forgetfulness in our culture about the impact of the Bible. So much that we encounter today has been influenced by the Bible. And I appreciate the way that you all really remind our society that the the truths of Scripture have made an important difference in so many areas. And, and Jackie, I wanted to ask you just to, to share some areas that you'd explore in the Museum of the Bible that really illustrates this. Okay, so yeah, we have several floors there. We have the impact, the narrative, and the history floor. Uh, but we also have a lot of other things in the museum for people to to uh, explore. And we, we really want it to be an immersive experience and for them to be engaged with the Bible. I mean, because you know, this, this book is the best-selling book of all time. And it continues to be every single year the best-selling book. And in, by the year 2033, there should be some portion of Scripture in every language in the world. So that there's an exhibit for that in the museum, too, called Illumination. So um, for me, it's just been a fabulous experience and quite a journey and an adventure, but uh, very rewarding to see people all over coming to engage with the Bible and to learn more about it. Whether they have been a part of uh, the Bible has been a part of their life or not, it's, there's something to read and to learn. Steve and Jackie Green here on The Intersection. The museum website is museumofthebible.org. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, it's James E. Ward, Jr., the founder and lead pastor of Insight Church, based in Skokie, Illinois, in the Chicagoland area. In our conversation at NRB 2018, he talked about principles related to his book, Zero Victim, Liberate Yourself from the Mentality of Defeat. From that conversation, this is James Ward. You know, America is the most litigious society in the world. You know, there's over 15 million civil lawsuits are filed every year because of acts of victimization. Something happened to me and we're taught to sue that I'm a victim. Um, I like to say that even the insurance industry, by default, is the, is the, the financing of, of victimization. It anticipates victimization, you know, that we tend to get um, fire insurance, when the the tragedy is going to happen we anticipate tragedies and i'm just saying that because these things uh sometimes uh lead us in an area of life that we anticipate tragedies and things that are happening to us i think is that victim victim mentality has become politicized now that uh, even our political parties to some degree uh tend to convince people that you're a victim the other party made you a victim and if you vote for my party we'll free you from that victimization and that's, that's not true. That, that is something that happens from within. On the cover of the book, I have a, a picture of a hole with a ladder that goes down to the bottom. And if you can imagine being at the bottom of that hole and you're praying, God, get me out of this hole, rescue me. And a ladder comes down. At that point, uh, it is no longer necessary for you to pray, but for you to now begin to 
climb up that ladder to get yourself out of that hole. And every scripture in the Bible represents a rung on the ladder that God has given us the capacity to literally climb ourselves out of situations because of his word. And that's what victim mentality does for us. You know, I, I had an interesting uh, revelation one day. I was flying. I spent, spent a lot of time on airplanes now. And when you get to a high enough altitude, Bob, I've discovered that there has never been a day on earth. Every day since creation has been a sunny day. And if you if you perceive that you're under a cloudy day, it's only because you're at a lower altitude. You're you're too low in your thinking. But when you position yourself and you really begin to elevate to the right altitude, you discover that there is no such thing as a cloudy day. I believe that victimization works the same way. It's a set of clouds that as long as we think at a low level, as we see from a limited perspective, we find ourselves under a cloud. But the more we elevate ourselves and we become liberated from the mentality of defeat, we begin to understand that perspective matters, that altitude in our thinking matters. And that's what the book is, in, in, is intended to do for those who are reading, reading the book. Well, let me ask you about the way that you handle in this book, Zero Victim, issues regarding race. You are an African-American pastor in the Chicagoland area. Tell me how you address such issues in the book. Sure. You know, it's this, this idea is something that I believe is so relevant right now. Um, I believe that zero victim mentality is the only way to push the reset button on race relations. Um, I grew up in Alabama, as we mentioned before, in the city of Tuscaloosa, at the tail end of the segregation of the of the school system. I grew up on the black side of town. You know, the night school was on the white side of town. And I remember the day that I was bused to the quote unquote white side of town. And in doing so, that was a defining moment in my life of interacting with white kids for the first time. And, you know, um, Bob, our, our culture tends to think, t- teach us and to inform us that other races are against us and they don't like us. And you buy into all of these, these kind of um, ideologies of victimization. But the thing that was interesting to me in third grade is that I discovered that when um, I did my best that my grades were as good as any other kids, you know, the grades of any other child in the school, And when I began to understand that they were not holding me back, it boosted my self-esteem. It helped me to understand my identity. It helped me to understand that I was unique and I was anybody equal, anybody's equal, that I was not inferior to anyone. And that improved the quality of my relationships with people from other races because I didn't have any baggage within me. That's the power of victim mentality. And I think across our nation right now, that if we can challenge people to lose victim thinking and to really begin to understand who they are and to be free in their own mindset, it'll, it'll increase the quality of relationships uh, across cultures, across ethnicities um, throughout our society. And so I highly, I highly recommend that, that your leaders would read this book. It'll, it'll do a tremendous work just to, to strengthen their own, their own sense of resolve and identity. James Ward here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to his website, jameseWardJrJr.com. Well, we are nearing the end of this second of two podcasts being released this weekend featuring content from the 2018 National Religious Broadcasters Convention held recently in Nashville. The Meeting House website is meetinghouseonline.info. You can also reach the homepage through the programming section of faithradio.org. You will find a link to the Media Center marked Meeting House On Demand. You can also subscribe to The Intersection and have it delivered to your podcast receiving software, including iTunes, on a weekly basis. Plus, you can access The Intersection podcast through the Faith Radio app. Go to the Faith Radio website to find out more. There are also two blogs accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. The other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House program. 
You can also follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. And there's a link to video content, including newly added content from NRB 2018. Again, that website address, meetinghouseonline.info. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.